This is The Insecurity Project. If you are looking to solve the insecurity problem in your life, rather than just manage it, mask it or medicate it, you have come to the right place. This is the home of high-quality content and conversations about how to overcome insecurity. If you can do that, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for your friends and family, it's good for the world, so it's kind of important. There's some work to do here, but let's go do this work together. Now on to today's show. Hey folks, 10 minute Tuesday time. I have a special guest, co-podcast person with me this morning. It's my wife, Catherine Louise. I've had to twist her arm to be on the show. She wasn't very happy about it. We've had a little bit of conflict pre-recording. She's a bit nervous, um, a lot nervous. But that's okay because uh, the point of this is just to give you a window into our world and specifically how we do relationship rules because we made a decision some time ago that um, we want to do, or we made a decision from the very start we wanted to do marriage well and so it made sense that if we're going to do it well then we need to know how to do it well and um, if only one person knows the rules of the game well then only one person's going to have a good experience. So we did some work around creating some rules that uh, mean we both know how to win. So here are our rules. They were 10, sometimes they've been 12, but we've condensed them to eight. Uh, and so I took lead on this project just to be clear. So I kind of did the, the heavy lifting in creating the rules, but obviously Kat has had buy-in to the rules. And so I'll explain the rule and uh, Catherine will give you her take on why she likes it and why she's agreed to run with that rule and why she thinks that's, that's important. So uh, without any further ado, do you want to say anything before? No. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Going well. Uh, eight relationship rules. So number one is honour rapport with yourself as a priority. So basically what that means is like we come into the relationship as individuals and our own relationship with ourselves is what makes a relationship with someone else work. So if we're going to compromise our own relationship with ourselves to please the other person or to make money or to do stuff that's expected of us, ultimately it's going to cost us both in the long run. So we, we always make decisions based on ultimately what's good for us as an individual first, which sounds pretty different than how you think a marriage should work, but that's been a, a rule that's been very important for us over the years. Um, what do you want to say about rule number one? Uh, so often people um, refer to marriage or their spouse as the ball and chain. Um, but what I love about this rule is that it's not that you're in bondage with this person, um, but that you're there because you want to be and you come as you. So having good rapport with yourself means that you're checking in um, to be clear around uh, who you are as an individual and what you bring to the relationship um, and what you want, which is actually number two rule. Yeah, it's been interesting over the years when we've had decisions to make around work and finances because while it might look like one of us has to keep working to earn money at a certain time, there have been times where we both said, I can't. Like I took a 12-month sabbatical and didn't earn any money. Um, Kat's just resigned from a long-time career. Um, and it's like, well, how do, you, how do you earn money now? But the point is we made those decisions off the back of what was what our own body was telling us it's like i'm out i can't do this and so to forge on just for the sake of money it's only money right and and the cost to our relationship would have been too great rule number two 
be clear about what you want in brackets complaining is madness so uh you know as as a coach coaching 101 is what do you want so that kind of has infiltrated every area of my life um this is a really important one because rather than having conversations about what we don't want or what's not right it's it's to start the conversation well tell me what you want if you don't tell me what you want how can i help you get that um so it's fun when both of us want different things because that happens often and that requires some adult conversations but uh, i think that's a really cool rule but uh, what do you think about rule number two yeah as a woman it's quite a liberating rule because it takes me from being a submissive passive wife to being an equal partner in the relationship and having a seat at the table and having equal voting rights um, I have a friend who is always complaining about her husband and her um, or his unrealistic demands, and yet she continues to serve his agenda and allow her uh, him to treat her um, poorly. So without this rule, there's no framework for her to sit down and say, I'm not actually happy with the way things are and this is what I want. Um, but there's also another reason why that's working for her and that's because she doesn't value herself as the prize. Yeah, sure. I think I've naturally been better at this rule. Uh, like I'm, I've been clear about what I want for a long time and so that's been interesting because, um, you know, if Kat hasn't been as clear about what she wants, it just looks like I win all the time. I get to do whatever I want. And, in fact, I don't do anything that I don't want to do. So, um, But the importance for me to demonstrate that has been to say, hey, look, um, I will continue to do what I want um, it only it only changes for you if you get clear about what you want to um, and then that impacts what I want so there have been times where what you want has been has won and has changed what I want um, because you've pitched it to me in a way that's been really clear and important so um, it, it means we get to play as adults and, and have a lot of fun and we both get what we want uh, rule number three be the prize uh, be excellent and always do your best so uh, this comes from the book Oren, from Oren Claff, which is Pitch Anything. Um, and he says, you know, neediness is unattractive. We want what we can't have. So in terms of marriage, we both started out as a prize on day one. When I first saw Catherine, I just thought if I ever get a chance to get married, that's the one I want, that one. And there was nothing I wouldn't have done to win her. And turns out she had eyes for me too, which is nice. Um, when, you, when you're the prize, you're on your best behaviour, you'll do whatever it takes to win the prize. Often couples lose that prize frame and descend into some kind of um, arrangement and we've got kids together, we've got property together. So um, if you're the prize, then it's never okay to treat that person poorly. If I was the prize day one, um, well, I'm still the prize in year 21. So it always demands a very high level of treatment and you don't get away with any bad behaviour. What do you like about that one? Yeah, so it's a very empowering rule because um, you're seeing yourself as the prize. So it gives you leverage to go after what you want um, and to show up at your best. And I was relating that to a bird that, you know, flutters its wings and does its little dance to attract a mate. Um, it is actually a very attractive way to um, get your spouse's attention. So this rule says I'm a valuable part of the relationship and I should be valued and acknowledged accordingly. Hmm. We've pushed this one to the nth degree as well by saying that um, if I'm the prize, then if you don't want to love me like I deserve, well, there's 10 other people lining up outside to take your place if you'd like to forfeit it. So up to you really. And uh, while that might sound cheeky or we, we're using divorce as a threat, 
um, again, it just demands a very high level of behaviour and and change. So we we don't take each other for granted because if we did, we'd lose. Um, so what about um, be excellent and always do your best? What does that mean to you? It's part of the prize thing. Oh, you hadn't prepared an answer to that one. Uh, have a think about it because that one, I can still remember when we added that one because, uh, again, I took the lead on these rules, so I was kind of clearer about them. And I can remember um, the challenge came because I was really pursuing something with excellence my whole heart and soul. And you made a joke. You, you joked about me like you you um, said something really cutting and it, it troubled me all day because it was kind of a throwaway remark. Um, and the reflection was there was something interesting about you bringing me down for fear of me going off and then not finding you attractive, like doing, doing my own thing. And so we kind of resolved that to go, hang on a minute. Um, as the prize, we're both going to give ourselves to pursuing excellence in something. And excellence is again, part of what makes us attractive, doing our best. So uh, if we settle for sec- mediocre, then that's going to undermine our prize frame and undermine our um, love for each other and undermine spurring each other on to, to big things. So uh, anything you want to add about it? Well, the opposite of not bringing your best is being quite needy and, and weak, I guess, So, which is unattractive. So if you're not showing up at, at, at your best, then um, it's... It's a very unattractive way of living your life and doing relationship. Hmm. Now, who's playing lead and support? Yeah. Uh, so we used this one when we went on holidays, which I've mentioned once before on a podcast. But it's kind of the masculine-feminine energy thing. If two people show up with masculine energy at the same time, which is you know, leadership, strength, control, decisiveness, clarity, um, your butt heads. And if two people show up with feminine energy, which is kind of support and kindness and um, companionship, well, then you don't really go anywhere. So uh, I think we first kind of developed that when we were both, you kind of moved into your career after I came back, after we came back from Germany and the season was right, you're in career now and I'm in support mode. Um, It was really, really clear that we had the, know what projects we were working on um and it was like if you come home in masculine energy after a day of dominating your world uh, in in the things that you're good at well i need to play support i need to make sure i'm on domestic duties got the kids sorted got dinner cooked um because you're taking the lead there and i'm supporting you and then other things that i'm working on and and bringing masculine energy to well i'm being strong in that and you're playing support if we're both trying to run both lead on both things at the same time we're going to clash and um want to do it differently and and not support each other what do you like about that rule yeah so this is really useful in a practical sense because um you can bury yourself in your business you live and breathe it and you can spend quite a lot of time in here um and i talking about me yeah you you know, I used to think, oh, well, I guess I'll just cook dinner because he's in his office doing something. And um, and so there was just this assumption that I was across dinner and homework and, um, you know, washing and whatever else. So um, 
you know, now we've found it really useful to have a strategic meeting at the start of the week where we just talk about what needs to happen in that week, what's happening with the kids, what sport do they have on, who needs to be where, um, who's running lead on what, who's running support. And that's a really um, great way of not having assumptions and being clear around who's doing what and when. Mm. Um, as part of that rule, we've added always take responsibility for your own projects and problems. So um, like we're in our dream house, Kat ran lead on that project. She was a project manager. So that meant if she had a problem with the plumber, there's no point telling me about the problem with the plumber because I have no access to the plumber. She could ask me to run support and go do a job for the plumber, but no point telling me about the problem with the plumber. That's her project. She's running lead. Same is true if I'm having trouble with my marketing person or the web team there's no point telling her about my problem because she's got no capacity to fix it i could ask her to do something if i'm running lead and she's playing support but it doesn't make any sense to make it her problem um, if i'm running lead so that's been useful yeah. i liked how we use that in in barcelona to get to the airport because when you're traveling you know transit's often part of the most stressful part of the whole trip and often because both people want to run lead or no one wants to run lead. So at the start of each day, we're like, who's running lead on getting us to the airport today? Who's running lead on the itinerary today? And it was like, yeah, I'd like to, or you'd like to. Um, and that just meant the other person could relax and trust the person's leadership, not have to second guess it. Even if you wanted them to do it differently, it's like, I'm running lead, you're playing support, we're going to do it my way today. We'll get there, it'll be all okay. Um, so that meant we had a lovely 20-year anniversary holiday in Europe be nice to be in Europe again mm. one day. One day. Credit where credit is due. So this kind of goes along the lines of a few of the others. Um, you know, be the prize demands a high level of relationship and, and treating each other. But it just means we can't, it's not okay to be familiar or take each other for granted. So every night that Catherine cooks dinner, and she does cook dinner a lot more than I do, um, I thank her and acknowledge. That was my point. Oh, I just stole your point? Yeah, you uh, stole my point. <laughs> um, every time I, I land a new client or um, have a win in business, then Catherine acknowledges it. And, and you know, it's, it's credit where credit's due. If you do something good, then you're thanked for it. You're acknowledged for it. You're celebrated for it. And it's just a nice rule. It, it adds a lot of fun and we feel appreciated. So nothing worse than being underappreciated or feeling like you do stuff and it's just expected of you. I saw I stole your point. You, you want to add anything? Steal my point. My, yeah, but it was my, the other part of my point was that, you know, cooking dinner is such a mundane task. So it's nice to be appreciated in the little things. And I was just going to point out that now both our kids thank me for dinner when they leave the table as well, because they've seen that um, in you. So, hmm. yeah, I like, I like that. I mean, I like all these rules, but it's, it's a nice, it's nice to be acknowledged. Doesn't matter how many times you've done it, it's nice. Uh, what are, what are we up to? Number six. six. Back down when you're wrong, stand up when you're right. Gets a little interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So both the women <laughs> in my immediate family, um, this this one and our daughter weren't born with the reverse gear. So it's made conflict interesting over the years because uh, I've probably taught in that. Well, maybe. And I think I grew up in a, in a family that was very willing to back down, probably over-backed down, probably apologised at, at every opportunity. 
So it was an interesting thing coming together. And so we've kind of defined the rule as um, back down when you're wrong and stand up when you're right. Because Amity kind of made, made us form this rule because she's like, it's so unfair. Like how, you, how do you know when you're supposed to back down? Because the reason you don't back down is because you think you're right. So when are you supposed to back down and when can you fight your cause? So it's, well, you can fight your cause when you're right. But the moment, the moment the data reveals that you're wrong, we'll back down straight away. <laughs> like don't fight a losing battle. Don't hang on for the sake of ego or pride. If you're wrong, you've made a mistake. If, you, if you've been found out, quickly fix that. Um, but don't, but don't, don't fold like a deck of cards. Don't like, oh, whatever, who cares? Yeah, you have it your way. Don't ever back down just for the sake of it. Um, bring your best to conflict as well. Mm. Yeah, so I'm a bit stubborn. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm not very good on the reverse gear, as you've said. But, um, yeah, I'm still working on this rule. I still think it's an important rule. Um, but I think the take-home point is that if I just stop and listen to what Damon's saying, then I am going to be able to understand and apologise effectively. Um, but I think, you know, I get caught up in the injustice of it and think, oh, I'm such a bad person. Um, and I think, yeah, humanistic response is to defend yourself. So, um, yeah, and I always say the whole point of having an argument is that two different people have two different opinions. So mm. it is a bit of a fine line between backing down and standing tall. Yeah, we've added one thing. We've used it with the kids when we have to address stuff that they've got to back down, when we address a, a mistake they've made or something they've done wrong um, by saying, and you're not a bad person because the reason why people don't back down is because it becomes personal. If I've done wrong, then I am wrong. So it kind of really touches on the insecurity thing. Um, but it's a clear rule, so we, we both work hard at accepting responsibility when we're wrong and, and maintaining strength when we've got a point to make, not just folding unnecessarily, um, which goes on to the next one, apologise effectively. So if you've heard any of my stuff over the last few years, you'll know just that I'm um, a bit anal when it comes to apologising. I, I don't think that it takes time to restore relationships. I think it just takes an effective apology and most people don't apologise very effectively. I think we've had more conflict over this one rule than any of the others. Yeah. More, more <laughs> arguments about how to apologise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon little things become big things because I'm like, no, no, there's got to, surely there's, can we play by the rules here? There's a way to apologise. Um, and I've always wanted to stick to that rule and then I get sidetracked on the rules are being followed and it becomes a whole big drama. Um, For the record, I suck at this rule. I still haven't mastered an effective apology um, on a consistent basis. And, yeah, it's the empathy piece for me. Yeah. Again, just feeling like, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm the bad person and I get caught up in that to the point where I'm not hearing what you're saying. But um, as with any of the rules, it, when the shoe's on the other foot and yeah. you're on the receiving <laughs> end, it a good four-step apology is a gift. It is a gift. Um, so quickly, the four are uh, uh, articulate what it is you've done wrong to hurt the other person, um, why it is that you did it, have a bit of self-awareness, what was going on inside you that caused you to behave in a way that hurt them. Number three, a heartfelt apology. So that's the empathy piece. Step into their shoes and feel their pain. If someone behaved that way toward you, how would you feel? Um, and four, what's the believable plan about, around why this is unlikely to happen again? 
um so yeah we yeah it's 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 something we've definitely worked hard at um and yeah more often than not our our conflict is far shorter today than it's ever been because we we apologize well to each other um and the final one don't tell me what to do <laughs> <laughs> We say this to each other all the time. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my mum. Don't tell me what to do. Don't ever tell me what to do. Um, I'm here because I want to be I'm, I'm my own boss. When he says don't, we tell each other this all the time. I think it's more you telling me. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. I am on the back end of that as well. But it's a good rule because it just says we have to find internal motivation. External motivation is always short-lived and ineffective, especially for adults, especially for middle-aged adults. You've got to work out how to take responsibility for your own stuff and your own life. Um, and be here because you want to be, not because you have to be, and love because you want to, not because you have to. So if you're making a decision because someone's making you, it builds resentment and frustration. So, um, Well, usually when you tell someone to do something, it's the last thing. They want to do. Yeah, and the internal response is always don't tell me what to do. So we've just externalised that and put it on our rules list. So it kind of short circuits the process upstream. I was trying to think this morning of something you've told me to do and I couldn't come up with anything. So (laughs) I think this rule he made for himself because I can be quite bossy. My mum always told me I'd make a great teacher because you're so bossy and I'm quite black and white in my thinking and I just see how I think things should be. Um, so I'm pretty good at telling you what well, to do. So Yeah, there, there are times, so like all this year, the conversations about whether you would finish up at work and come and be the concierge to the insecurity project and the process of you getting clear about that and the long conversations um, to make sure you're doing the right thing. So there were times where I did tell you what to do and wanted to tell you more about what to do and just to solve (laughs) the problem for you. Um, But there were lots of times that I went to the rule book and went, it's never going to solve it if I just tell you what to do. You've got to work this out on your own. Um, Because if I tell you what to do, eventually it'll be my fault for telling you the wrong thing when it doesn't work out. So, look, that's our rules. Um, we certainly don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it there. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. The aim of the game is to show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity so that you can be at your best where it matters most. Now, if you're ready to begin the work of becoming unhindered in your life, The Unhindered Short Course is an eight-part video series designed to help you do exactly that. And at only $99 for a limited time, it's an offer too good to refuse. For more information, go to theinsecurityproject.com.